Welcome to the Be Great Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the eight-man football coaching community. Here we discuss scheme, program building, program culture, and building and spreading the eight-man football game. This podcast is brought to you by Anywhere Apparel. Are you looking for custom screen-printed and embroidered gear for your team, coaches, and fans? Contact Anywhere Apparel. That's Anywhere, A-N-Y-W-E-A-R Apparel. We have access to all the great brands and items that will have your team looking their best. We are a locally owned small business that works with teams, businesses, and individuals. Next time you need custom apparel, make Anywhere Apparel your go-to. Contact Anywhere Apparel at art.anywhereapp at gmail.com. That's A-R-T dot A-N-Y-W-E-A-R-A-P-P at gmail.com. Or on the phone at 319-385-1763. We are joined today by our guest, Coach Rob Luther. Coach Luther has been coaching for 32 years. Coach is currently serving as the head coach at Baxter, Iowa. Coach has finished his sixth season as an eight-man coach. Coach has been around sports for a long time. He started his athletic career in Maxwell, Iowa, and continued his basketball career at Iowa Lakes Community College, then transferred to Missouri Southern University. Coach was a baller and led the state with 31 points a game in high school. He started his football career at Van Meter, Iowa, then went to Des Moines East, Woodward Granger, then to Collins Maxwell Baxter, and now at his current position at Just Baxter. Coach is known for his explosive offenses and throwing the ball around the field. In 2017, his team averaged 63 points a game. He participated in, at the time, the highest scoring game in Iowa eight-man history in 2019. During that game, his quarterback threw for 12 touchdowns, nine of which went to the same receiver. That receiver went on to set almost all receiving records in the state of Iowa. Coach has set guys on to Iowa State and to Iowa Western Community College. Coach has also served as the head coach for the Shrine Game here in Iowa. It's an 11-man all-star game held in the summer. Coach is a principal, AD, and head coach, as well as a great guy that helps out his fellow coaches. Please help us welcome Coach Rob Luther to the podcast. Coach, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for asking me. That was quite an introduction, Coach. I don't know how much is true, but I liked it. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> found it. I, I found it interesting. You're such a baller, man. Dropping 31 a night, that's pretty solid. Dude, when I was a baller, it was still uh, uh, three guys in the paint. And if, if I would have played in five out, it would have been real fun. No, that was a long time ago. And uh, Maxwell was uh, was a good place to grow up. I hate to ask it because I don't want to really date yourself. But was the three-point line in? It came in my sophomore year. There so I was, the, you know, uh, I benefited from that. But you had those coaches that didn't really even believe in the line back in the mid-80s. So you had to convince them you could – I wasn't getting into the paint much of my size. So yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I was always the undersized post guy. Um, <laughs> we love you. Just kick it back out, coach. Yeah, that's I right. Get the rebound and kick it out. <laughs> um, so something I've done with uh, everybody on here is kind of talk about who the uh, mentors were to you as a, either as a player or as a coach. Um, you listed four guys, your high school coach, Rick Sullivan, um, Neil Seals, Ken Winkler, and, and Rick Roberts. If you kind of want to maybe just touch on who those guys were to you, um, you know, how they've helped you through your journey as a coach and a player. Um, that would be great. Absolutely. I think we all have those guys. That's kind of why we're sitting here. Guys listen to this. I'll have those people, whether they were their high school coach or a guy they grew up under that kind of influenced them. And that's why hopefully we're trying to influence people. My first was my high school coach, Rick Sullivan, a uh, phenomenal guy back. I was a, uh, at Maxwell in the eighties and we weren't we were in the gun chucking it around in 1983 84 so um that's a, probably the base of my philosophy and just enjoyed that like you said i was a basketball guy loved the game i knew that's what i was going to play i actually thought that's what i was going to coach 
um, which is kind of a strange story in itself. But uh, he influenced me like all, you know, mentors do on and off the field. Um, still to this day, play golf with him a few times a year. Uh, always get those texts and big games and stuff and just means the world to me. Uh, from there, really, uh, I got my first principal job at, back at Collins Maxwell um, with Coach Sullivan. And then it was CMB at the time, which was an 11-man school we co-opt, shared. Uh, and then I moved over after one year and became the principal at Baxter under a superintendent named Neil Seals, who was guys that are track guys on here. He's a legendary track coach. Um, and he just taught me a lot about coaching itself, uh, just being the extension of the classroom. Doesn't matter if it's track, football, what we're doing, algebra, all we're doing is teaching um, and really teaching lessons that go way beyond the classroom. So he taught me a lot there. The two football guys I've learned a lot about, I took my lumps from Ken Winkler. We had a big rivalry at CMB versus West Marshall. And I uh, probably learned the most about um, just what the game is instead of really the wins and losses and you know, just thinking you can out chalk somebody and X and O somebody, just really about the game itself and what we're doing. So he was really influential. And then Rick Roberts, I put, because we went to Drake grad class together. He's at Van Meter, was at East, back to Van Meter. Uh, we've kind of paralleled our careers as uh, uh, he's been an administrator and coach at the same time like myself. So, um, and we're kind of go-to with offense and go-to with problems in school. So uh, really one of my best friends. So let's kind of let's kind of just piggyback off of that. You know, you talk about being an administrator there. Um, you know, so talk about being an administrator, both the principal, the AD, and the football coach. Um, you know, I guess if somebody's unhappy with the coach, they can talk to the AD, and you just do a circle and say, "All right, here he is." You know, uh, I think I've, I've read somewhere you joked about that. I think on the Telegram app one time. But um, I mean, in all seriousness, you know that it, it is a unique position. Kind of maybe talk about how you approach that. You know, I've done it for so long, it feels the normal. First of all, the AD, I've done a couple times on and off. That's usually when nobody else will take it or we're kind of in a tough situation, which we've been the last couple of years. Uh, I'm going to step down from the AD. That's that's a handful, anybody who's an AD in here. Um, but I've been the principal there for 25 years. So I just, it's what I know. I think probably I may not have been as effective as a principal when I first started. I thought I was a ball coach that people just wanted to push me into administration and I'll do it. Um, and really right now it really works because of how our schools have changed so much with instructional coaches and other people really helping teachers get better that I'm really a manager of people, manager of kids. And mostly when your football kids are modeling and leading, your school's going to be better. But, you know, it's worked for me. One thing I've argued a lot of people about, you see a lot of even bigger districts, you get great coaches that they put into administration and then they take the coaching hat off of them. And I don't know why that is because those people are the ones you want working with kids. I get that we want to lead, but if they're, if they're able and still willing, I, I would never shy away from letting someone be an assistant principal, principal, a small school AD and still coach because they've got the skill set to do it. So it's worked for us in Baxter may not work for everybody. It's probably why I'm still there for as long as I've been because I can wear that administration hat, do those types of things for me, my family, yet still coach ball, which is super important to me. Yeah, I've never really understood why they take the best people at what they do and then they move them into a different position like that. You know, in business, they take the best salesperson and make them the manager and then the sales, you know, go down. You know, if the person can flat out coach and teach, man, you, you kind of want those people there. They can still lead from there. You know, a lot of times it's it's just a title. hundred percent. When, you know, I've read on some apps and some, you know, there's a lot of people that are pretty negative because of that whole boss 
mentality. I think once you get past that we're a team, yeah, sometimes we have to answer to somebody else and you do have to be careful. I mean, there's no doubt if you talk to people in Baxter, you know, football gets this or, you know, if new uniforms come our, you know, there's some things that go with it, but you have to overcompensate for that. But um, I just think that people in those roles, if you can embrace them and you bring people into the fold, it doesn't really matter if you're wearing a couple hats, you're making a difference. So, yeah, I agree. That's great advice right there. Um, so I, I've known you, I, I mean, I met you a few years ago um, and when you were talking, you were talking about offense um, and we kind of maybe get into that a little bit. The one thing um, that you've been asked to talk about the last few times is your no huddle and your tempo. Um, I know you guys do that, watching some film, talking to some teams. I um, mean, you sign everything in, right? You signal everything in. We do. We've tried it a lot of different ways. So we've been at it a while and, you know, trial and error and stealing. But yeah, we went the whole gamut from wristbands uh, and what's on the wristband to boards. We've used the board signaling, what the quarterback's responsible for in the signaling. So Boy, we've probably been three or four years, maybe all the way through eight, man, that we just signal. You know, I was listening to Coach Justice from Oklahoma talk for a while last night. It's just we signal everything to all eight players. They're responsible for it, and I think that's just the best way you make it. We've done away with numbers. We've done away with, you know, really even names, although you have to call them that. It's really kids will – our zone play is zebra named after, and we just do stripes, and everybody knows that's zone, and it just goes really fast that way. So when you're talking about when you signal them in to all eight players, does that mean like you're sending a signal and everybody's got eyes on you and you've got dummy coaches or like the, between the three of you, like one of you has quarterback receivers, somebody has running backs and somebody has <clears throat> offensive line. How does that work? No, good question. So one is we don't really care. Once we get a formation, we have all, usually there's three of us giving the formation call. And even an eight man, it, it, we learned, you know, I was 11 for 25 years. I don't know, a long time. We, you can't, you couldn't communicate the way you can communicate. I think that's one thing people get into it don't realize. Verbal communication can be used a lot in the eight-man game. Mm, I mean, absolutely. that hash is so close to you. Even the far hash, uh, we've gotten to the point where I've even verbaled from the LOS a check with me on me and my voice will carry that to the whole team. So that, that changes the game a little bit, but we don't care if anybody knows what formation we're getting in, depending on our tempo. Um, if we're in a, a really NASCAR up speed, our top tempo, we're not changing formation. But if we're in one of our regular, if we're if the coaches are dictating for me, uh, tempo, we don't care what formation, if the defense knows that. So yeah, we get that up and then eyeballs, you know, we get the guards that don't put their hand down, the, the centers that are on their knee looking over, all eyes are on me. We practice that really starting in the summer, just, ingrained that when we want to go fast we'll go fast and you, they've got to get the play from me with with some dummy calls on the side I do them all uh, or if we there's been a couple times one this year I felt like somebody was trying to steal some signals we'll just go to another coach everybody knows the other coach is hot but one coach has the whole thing I like that that's a good idea there well and I suppose I mean that's just like having boards you know some people use boards and they mean absolutely nothing they're just funny pictures <laughs> why somebody's actually signal them in you know so I like that yeah, so thing. um one you thing said we learned about kind of you you've gone no huddle pretty much all of eight man. So my question to you then is is why what what advantage do you think you get um, by that? That kind of sounded like I'm coming after you. I'm not. But, you know what <laughs> what okay. advantage you know do you see? Because you know and I talked to Coach Johnson from Easton Valley a little bit and we talked about going no huddle. Um, you know and and I've kind of gone where I, I go too fast um, uh -huh. when I when I do that. You know this past year. And so what, what advantage do you get 
Um, is it you get them in whatever you want to see, or, you know, you've got a script and you'll go, so, you know, you know what you're looking for, you know, what's your why on going no huddle and up tempo? Yeah. I think the first why was all the way back to 11, man. When we, we started messing around with it, and it was coach, it was for sure to be able to call things from the line. So we were, we throw it, we, we have thrown it in the past a lot when we were 11, man, we were empty and two by two and really, and it was all about leverage. It was all about coverage. People that wanted to roll some coverage or check on, uh, you know, depth of corners. You know, we always started with the safety in the 11 man game. So I, I, you know, I didn't want to call a play. Maybe it was my control freakness in me that I didn't want our quarterback to check out. I wanted to be able to make that decision. So once we did that, it really wasn't about tempo more than it was about understanding what the defense is and putting us in the right play. So from there, um, you know, listening to some guys stealing some stuff and we went, the next step was we just went really fast or we went just the, get to the line, see where we're at. And then of course we had to get freeze tempo. And we actually, I have a coach that I trust on our sideline that I will get going too fast as well, or I'll get going too slow and we have colors. So it's just, Hey coach, maybe you want to get to a yellow gold tempo here. And that's good for me just to know, to check myself a little bit, or I'm too worried about calling where the defense is. And Rob, let's just roll, man. We're got them on their heels. Don't worry about that. Just get in a rhythm and let's go. Sometimes it takes that coach you trust to help you with the tempos a little bit, but to start, it was all about where they were aligning and trying to get our kids in the best place. So, um, I, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that during team period, um, you guys are doing the, the no huddle thing there. So do you move the ball up and down your practice field? You know, you're on like a, a play clock, you know, where you go, okay, you know, team is 15 minutes or today, we're going to get 35 plays in, you know, how do you approach your team team period then? All of that uh, depends what we're trying to get. You'd probably, I think when we feel really good about it. So a lot of that, how many snaps we can get is a lot of camp before you put pads on or even summer uh, will really work tempo. So we're, it's easier to pull them back than it is to get them going. Um, so we actually find ourselves, I think, maybe teaching more uh, than you would think that we're running tempo in practice. So we definitely, we divide our offensive time up into individual inside run screen, which I'm a huge screen guy. So we include that in our inside run package. Then we'll run Skelly. Uh, and usually all those times we will not go up and down. It is let's teach on the run. Let's bring them back. Let's, let's get coaches in their ears. We want to get snaps, but we don't want to go so fast. That we're getting in bad habits. Even when we're in team, I'll have it scripted that say today, we're going to run these 15 in team, not tempo. And then we're going to go off script. So it's a game time with me just calling stuff from the back. A couple guys taking notes, a couple guys, you know, checking uh, how many plays we're getting in. We will spend much more time in practice, just teaching and running plays than we will tempo. A lot of times I know everybody's gotten away from conditioning a little bit and we have too. That can sometimes be our conditioning at the end. We'll put our ones and twos on separate fields and say the first one that can get 15 snaps in, the quarterback has to change the formation and you can't run the same play out of the 15. And that's a good challenge for your quarterback. And we'll, we'll compete that way, just how fast we can go sometimes too. Yeah, I, I like that drill. I mean, you just talk about there. Some, you know, if you're lucky enough to have enough guys like that, you know, in different positions, that's a great idea. Kind of like a race, you know, and have your coaches. So do you film your, your team periods? Uh, early on, we'll film our team. Uh, when we, when we're on our, so our practice field, it's just not a great angle when we go over to the game field. So early in camp and we'll get out on that field. We'll just, guys like it, they juice up. Everybody probably does. If you go to the game field, you get a different tempo. So when we do that, 
we'll make sure that there's a purpose behind that. And we'll usually put a camera on that there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Do you watch that with the kids then, or is that for you coaches? Both. So we'll share anything. Our, our guys, I'm not a huge tech guy being an old dude, but I've got a lot of kids and, and huddles just change the game so much. Oh, absolutely. Um, even, even a note. So we'll put a, a practice film out or scrimmage film games a little different, but anything we put out, our kids will watch a ton of that. I may just put a few notes on there or, Hey, you know, our, our quarterback, Cody, remind, see me on that smash route that we, we ran. I just want to talk you through a couple things that you saw or, you know, if it's an RPO, why'd we give the zone and not throw the bubble or why'd we do something just to ask, just to have that conversation. But, you know, uh, our school small, like everybody else is being a principal. We get a lot of those conversations during the day at lunch and right. on the comments time. So our dudes like talking ball. It's, it's, it's helped us a lot in the offensive side. Yeah, that's refreshing when you got kids that enjoy talking football and know how to talk football. No doubt. You know, I think that's kind of a lost art right now with our high school kids. And, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, I don't know how many high school kids actually sit and watch games. Um, no, I would say it's, it's unbelievable how many will say, you know, what is you still have that faction that just aren't going to watch Saturday and Sundays. But what I love when we first went to to uh, spread in the 11 back, oh, seven, eight, our dude, it was back in Chip Kelly with Oregon. That was really kind of when we were rolling with that. They would come back. They would shoot me a text. They would say, hey, do you remember what did, they did this? And they put this dude in motion. Our dudes were loving to mm -hmm. watch what other people doing and how to make it work for us. But you brought up Coach Johnson. I had a kid up in the Dome that saw we, we run. a. You would see us in Easton Valley and say there's there's a lot of similarities, some similarities. Our kids are saying, hey, that was close to what we do. That's a better route off that concept than what we do. You know, not all our kids do that, but our quarterback does that. You know, our, our top kids will do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you, I mean, it's, that's a, you know, when you get a whole team of those guys or, you know, you can get five of those guys in the eight man game that oh. really understand and think football, you got a dangerous group. You know, when I was talking to coach Johnson, he said his kids just get it. You yep. know, he's got a group with a real high football IQ and when, you know, and, and everybody that's in the game of football knows when your kids just get it and understand the sport, you know, watch out, you know, I mean, that's both sides of the ball. No um, doubt. I, we have a freshman group right now that gets it. They, I mean, it's probably keeping me in a little bit longer right now just to see them because I mean, they're on the sideline during our varsity games, giving suggestions and understanding. And that, I mean, it, you know, when you get a group like that, uh, our yeah. group's pretty good at the varsity, our freshmen really get it, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, I heard you in Illinois a few years ago, right when Illinois was getting started with eight man, you were talking about your duck screen, uh, yeah. which was your double screen, right? Running back one way outside, like a, a rocket screen mm -hmm. or whatever to the one oh, side, no, yep. um, you know, you were talking, throwing the ball all around the yard. You had a division one offensive lineman, you had a quarterback that went to Iowa Western, um, you know, who just played in the Juco championship, you know, so you, you know, you were, throwing that thing like crazy you know now this last year I said like you guys have been running cr like crazy you know how do you go from blowing safeties off the roof to blowing d-line off the line of scrimmage you know that's kind of um, a big shift there it, it is so it's funny I was just talking about our freshman we I got a freshman big 6-3 lefty quarterback that's really special what I've learned and he does hasn't played for us and he probably won't play next year at quarterback for us I think the eight-man quarterback looks a little different than the 11-man quarterback um, I argue with people that are under center and right. I mean, you're taking away in the eight, man. If your quarterback's under center, you're taking away a weapon for the most part. That that dude back there, I just feel has to be your most dynamic player. If you can, you know, sometimes you got a running back, but 
he's got to touch the football. So we have a kid back there right now, I wouldn't say as a fantastic thrower. He's an unbelievably dynamic kid and a really smart kid that just misses some throws from time to time. But I think the evolution of that for us was in the eight man game, there's just, we were seeing uh, nobody on the roof and manned up everywhere. So if we're going to do that, I can tell you, we're not going to run the football very much because the box isn't right for us to do that. So like this year, people put a guy on the roof. We saw safety cover three. We had those force guys out in alleys and we ran so much quarterback zone because if we see a four person box, we read everybody in our run game. We're reading somebody every time in our run game almost. So if the box is right and we're seeing a, a three, one, and, and or we motion you into something that gets a light box. And that's where I think the biggest difference from my first year when we really, um, uh, the kid that set all those records, it's funny. He was a, just a role player the year before that as a junior in the 11 man game. He's a little undersized. He runs really good routes, has great hands. He looked, I mean, the eight man game will just, cause he would get caught in the 11 man game for eight and 10 yard gains where he was beating one, you'd make one guy miss, it's a touchdown. Um, and we, we were able, we had a really good thrower and we had another couple complimentary. So our best players were those kids. Now maybe our best players are really, we're pretty good up front. And when you're good up front and you move people, you know, it, it's a little easier that way. And we're just going to make defenses decide. So the, the numbers get skewed a little bit. Uh, we do screen the heck out of it. Uh, Cause the biggest answer is what happens when you can't account for the box and they're bringing somebody all the time. Well, we're going to, we're going to screen you back or, you know, um, but that's really, I don't know that it's been a change in what we want to do other than just what we're calling a little bit more than what, than, than throwing it downfield. So, uh, you just kind of mentioned your screen game. So is that what you're looking for when, um, when you hit a screen, is that like plus one blitz, you know, if you're in a, a two, say you're in a two by two, right? So you got a three man, your, your three man line, they're in a three, one, right? That automatic blitz, right? I mean, is that something, maybe that's not the formation you're talking about, but you know what I'm Maybe you got the running back there with you, you know, so they're in a three, two, and they bring that, bring both. Um, is that the, the situation you're talking about? Yeah, well, that's one. So, you know, back in that, in that first team, when the kid, we set all those records, we would run middle screen. I mean, not the typical turn your back, but we just catch it coming down a little bit like tunnel. And it, it just, people would just keep, I think there's that mentality that if we can get and a number, we're going to come after your quarterback. Well, you better have an answer to that. And we've, we've come up because I've learned, I mean, we weren't very smart about this when we first started. There, there are some other options to that, that, that work too, whether it's get them out of the pocket or, you know, release, or there's a lot of things you can do, but um, I, I like this, the, the screen factor the most um, when we get a lot of jam stuff so we can just scrape off and then there's just nobody, nobody, you know, we'll throw now screens when we get room, but we'll throw a lot of tunnel. Uh, we'll throw what we just, what we just, I like our linemen out running tracks. We, we, we talk running tracks, running to space, sort of like basketball. We're going to run to an area and screen off, find the screen and come on. Um, so we, we just, we, we've had athletic linemen for the most part. Everybody does. We're all trying to play with the 160 pound linemen that can't handle the 210 pound nose or D tackle. They just want to win that battle. We won't let you win that battle. We're just going to let you come and he's going to go find somebody else. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, Size is way overrated, I think, in the eight-man game right now. For you know, sure. Um, and that's a big shift of mentality shift that I've had to deal with. You know, we've always wanted our linemen, you know, be 240, 250-pound linemen. Um, but they're almost a liability, If you know, depending on what you do, you know, but they're almost a liability being 240 pounds, especially as a defensive lineman. 
Um, you can't play those guys as DNs hardly at all, if they, unless they can move, you know, or they're a really nice athlete. But that's where we got stuck um, is, you know, we were trying to chase the numbers in the weight room and get our kids big. Yep. Um, and it just doesn't translate in the eight man game. Um, it not, not nearly as much. I, I think feet and quickness, especially with now it depends what you want to do. You know, you talk to some guys or wing T guys and you know, some of that stuff right. they're still doing. Yeah. You, you got to get a push and you got to move people with, that was kind of where we were at, even in the 11 man game when we went, you know, spread back in the mid 2000s, had a ton of success, went to the dome. We couldn't, we weren't physical enough up front to really handle things. We, so we had to do other things. And I, I think it's scouting too. We did this, we went to a two front this year and did some things defensively because our philosophy has always been let's do something that no one else does. So you can prepare that week, but you're not going to get to prepare for that any other time. And there's so many more teams going spread or what they're calling spread or, you know, no huddles, a piece that I still like when we talk about the why. That's really, if you're not a no huddle team, that's really hard to account for and scout all week long. How are you going to prepare? for that speed and then getting your defensive guy to get a call in. And what you find is defense is just running base, maybe trying to move a corner on their side and they can't get much going at you. Um, and it's so hard. We're, we're a shift motion anyway. I think the eight man game is pretty easy to get the numbers in your favor if you want them, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, in 11 man, are we a two high or we one high or we playing, you know, roll or we cover two sitting in, in eight man, you know, you're either going to probably be cover three or maybe man free. And then it's zero. Almost everybody's playing zero. So it's just about the depth and where your outside linebackers are playing. If you can get to the, you know, get to the edge on them with receivers and stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it is interesting how you can get the numbers um, in eight man so much easier than you can in 11. Obviously, you know, you have an alley player, you don't really, you know, have to account for, um, you know, and, and I think when we switched, we were super intimidated by man because we never saw it in the 11 man game, you know, or very, very seldomly saw it. And so both offensively and defensively, we were intimidated by a cover zero. You know, you, you go, well, my kid's not athletic enough. Well, chances are he's just as athletic as a kid across from, you know, they're the same, you know? So I think that's kind of a nomenclature. Are you starting to see more zone up there in the central part of the state? We, we, we did this, this past year, for sure. We saw, um, or maybe man free, which is disguised. So you don't always know. Um, but even when we motioned the safety wouldn't, they wouldn't exchange it, roll down and it, he'd run across. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that we've seen more zone this year than we ever have. Um, but we, we threw it less. So now all of a sudden, you know, but the thing with man, and maybe that was my thought that I kind of got lost on there. I think also an eight man, you can get your best against whatever I think is your worst. Now I may be right or wrong, but if I've scouted, I've kind of seen we're all, I think one of the weakest coaches positions in eight man and really anywhere is DBs. You kind of just say, Hey, try to keep them in front and Hey, backpedal and throw and get, get your hips turned. Nobody's really teaching concepts and man where you want to align as much. If you're aligned inside, they're always aligned inside. I just don't see that as one of the top coach position so we're going to take advantage of that and then we're going to motion and shift you so I could almost promise you if if in this year we didn't have that one and we still have three really good receivers but that year we had that kid we could get him against the guy that we wanted him to go against and probably get you trailing him on a motion or I mean the motion's underrated eight man as well if people are playing man because they're going to trail all they can do is trail. And you tell me how you're going to beat that kid to a flat route. If we can step out of the gun and throw it out there, you just, 
almost can't. Right. I mean, you're almost guaranteed three yards. And if he misses that tackle, it's at least a first down by then. Correct. I mean, absolutely. And, and, you know, the rub routes, you know, offensive picks and you get the slants and the outs and all those. I mean, offensive guys, we don't have picks, right? Oh, I mean, no, just, no rub routes. And let me tell you the one great thing I can tell you how great our offense is, but it, and I'm talking about this at the, at the Missouri eight man clinic down here in a couple of weeks is that field can shrink. You think it shrinks an 11 man. It really shrinks an eight man. And I tell you, we must be the absolute worst team in the history of eight man about being first and goal from the four. I can't tell you how many, and most people love that. I don't like that a whole lot. And believe me, luckily I'm the principal. Those people in the stands are saying, why are you in the gun on third and goal from the one? Cause that's who we are and that's what we're going to do. Right. And, um, but the, it does, it does shrink a little bit. So you better be, I mean, we'll, we'll rub the shit out of you and yeah. on the goal line. That's for sure. Yeah. We, I took uh, one of your plays for our two point plays. You bring your receiver in and you stacked them up um, where most people, most people say, you know, or just outside, and so the outside guy would go inside and the, in guy, the guy that motioned in goes back outside. Um, yep. And we, we just couldn't get it timed up right, but it absolutely schematically, it was awesome. I think we even called it Rob because we threw it to the right <laughs> side and the kids were like, why do we call it Rob? I said, well, their coach's name is Rob Luther and it's we're throwing to the right. So we'll just call it Rob. We so. could do it. We coach, we could do a whole podcast on why we call every play is just tagged with a name, how we came up with names is it, I'll give you one example. This is great. When we first started this, we run a little tight end screen, just let them come, release, throw it back. So I said, what are, guys, what do you want? To, and this will date me a little bit. I said, tight end. And they said, hey, you know who has a tight end is Megan Fox. So we call it Foxy. Our tight end screen is Foxy, like Megan Fox. So like it's it. crazy how you get to these names all well, the time. Especially when you start including the kids. Oh, you, you better be the careful. Kids, that's that. the, yeah, you got to be careful. Because they'll slide one in on you, and I'm too old to know what that really means, and they'll, they'll think they got one on me. Yeah, I kind of have to ask my, my one assistant coach, like, is that – can we use that? And like, we really – if they yell that on the field with the with the white hat, are we okay with that? Right. Yeah. No, that's that's the truth. But when they take ownership of it, you know, that's – you know they're oh, going to remember it. No no doubt. I mean, it, when we put in a play or, you know, anything, we'll, we'll include our dude so it's it's easy for them to remember. More than that – uh, sometimes I'll, I'll come up with a name, but they'll come up with the hand signal. So, you yeah. know, like we call our tunnel screen dig. So, you know, that's an easy one, but every time we put something new and we put a duo in, so what, what do we like with duo and D, D is dolphin. So what can we use for a dolphin? And that's how you get to everything. Kids will get it better like than that. hearing two thirty-five counter. I mean, here's the name we run it, you know? Right. Right. And I, you know, we've gone back and forth with that because you get a group of kids they don't understand what a counter is, what a sweep is, you know, but then you're like, all right, we'll just call it red. Like, uh -huh. Okay. You know, like we can deal with red, you know, but they, they, like you said, though, they have to be a part of it. Um, you know, it, it might make sense to you or I, but if it doesn't make sense to our players, it doesn't even matter if it's the best drawn play at all. Best thing you said, that's the, it's what they know. It's not what we know. And it took me a long time to realize that. Um, so, you, you mentioned a little bit, you got a freshman coming in, a big, you know, big lefty quarterback. Um, you, the one you had this past season, he was a real nice athlete. You know, you had the one kid go to Iowa Western, um, you know, so you, you've done a nice job with quarterbacks. You know, what is it you're looking for in a quarterback to run your offense? What's that kid have to be like? I think the one thing that, you know, we can say it's open competition, but you know, when you're only dealing with 25 to 35 kids, you're kind of grooming that kid all along. So you want to find the kid talking to your middle school coaches, who is that kid? You try to space them out a little bit. So you got a kid that can play for at least two, if not three years. Um, 
you know, I like coaches, kids. I like kids that are, that are gym rats. Um, I like kids that are really smart in our offense. You know, if they got to be able to throw a hitch, if, we, if you're playing six yards off, I don't care what play it is. We're, we're going to throw the ball out there and we're going to get one-on-one with our dude. Um, I like guys that now in the eight man more than even 11, they've got to make some plays with their feet. So they just can't be the slowest of foot kid. Um, but I like guys that all I got to do is look at and see who wants to watch huddle. So I got an eighth grader now that puts in 10 hours of huddle, not on his film, but on our high school film. Well, when he does that, we're, we'll groom him. We put those junior high kids on the sideline. That junior high quarterback's charting plays for us. He's, he's over there sometimes signaling for us. Uh, you know, we, we got to kind of know who that, who that next guy is. Um, but it's still late, man. That kid, like I just said, our big tall lefty, he's going to have to play something out. He's a really special athlete um, mm -hmm. and, and specimen. And I just talked to him actually uh, Friday and said, I mean, what is that role going to be? We'll have a package where he can sling it. I mean, he can sling it, but you're going to have to play and do something else. So sometimes you're grooming that quarterback as like our current quarterback this year. And then we'll be next year. He played in the slot as a freshman, sophomore and, you know, caught some balls, but uh, I think you got to have the kid. That's the leader. Kids got to follow. He's got to be the hardest worker on the team, but yeah, that is, that is the position we put the spotlight on. So three years ago, of course, that kid goes down in week two and we go four and five because, you know, that any, any mm -hmm. of us, if you lose the best kid, unless you're, you know, Cam or right. Burks and Audubon, where they just replace them with somebody else. You and I can't do that. Right. Um, I like that. So do you have all your junior high kids on the sideline? Or just, no, you just bring up a couple to, to do that. I just, I wrote that down. That was interesting. Yep. So we'll bring up, uh, start, we, you know, it actually starts with even the, the, the ball boys. We'll start with our fifth, we do fifth and sixth grade flag. And one of their things is honorary captain or um, honorary ball boy. So we rotate that. So everybody's kind of out there on Friday night, getting a feel more in middle school. We just ask a couple parents, I'll get between two and three that'll ride the bus with us. And they're just, uh, you know, a pseudo put the visor on backwards and have a clipboard and um you know chart plays there's some things i'll tell that kid hey let me know just how many times we've, we've ran pass on first down the first half and he'll just have it ready for me walking off the field it just keeps them engaged it keeps them thinking about ball and you know that dude's going to be out there sooner than later taking snaps so yeah that's an awesome way to i mean to hook a little kid you know get him involved and mom and dad love taking that picture from the sidelines or you know from the fans and that's no a doubt. great great program builder right there I think so. I mean, you know, we all, you want, you want to make kids look forward to the next step and we're blessed. We have some really good junior high coaches. It's not all about winning. It's about developing. It's running our stuff, but there is definitely an extension. We'll stretch together in junior high. So we come out every day. We put our dynamic stretch with everybody together during camp time, non-contact we're running, you know, individual time. So they're learning from the older guys. We want that connected seven, 12, as much as we can get it. I like that. We've been kind of talking about moving to that. Um, you know, we have some junior high coaches that are out of the district, um, you know, and then it takes them a little time to get there and there's nothing worse than unsupervised junior high boys. Um, you're asking for problems there. And so that's something we've been talking about doing as a, as a staff is how can we keep those kids under control, out of trouble and improve our football program. And I think that right there is, Put them, is what we need to do. Put them in your pre-practice, tell your leaders and your seniors that those young guys are over there, long snapping, shotgun snapping, returning kicks, running routes. We run a ton of goal line routes before practice. Put them in there. Catch. You get the seventh grade kid catching the ball from your all district senior. He's pretty juiced about that. Oh, absolutely. And you, I mean, you're building relationships. Your kids are building no relationships doubt. there. And no doubt. I mean, that's just program and 
you know, I follow you on Twitter and, you know, it seems like Baxter's got plenty of school pride. You know, you had something about your elementary kids that made singlets for your state wrestlers. And, and so, I mean, that's awesome to see when you can walk through the hall and there's pride for every sport, you know, no matter what the age. Yeah, no doubt. K-12 buildings, uh, you know, but it's either nothing. I always say, uh, you know, you're either getting better or getting worse. You never stay the same. And, you know, we talk to our leaders about that, leaving it better than you found it. You know, there's years that you don't sense that. But since we separated from Collins Maxwell, we're in year six, five, six. Um, we, we've really worked on that culture, K-12 culture of what it is to be a bolt. You know, if you didn't know when we were CMB, it's two different high schools and two different homecomings and two different everything. Our kids were great, but you missed that what it means to be, you know, a wolf or a, or a bolt. And we, we work yeah. pretty hard at that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it is work, right? I mean, every day you've got to oh, work on it. You can't let that slide at all. Cause once you get complacent with it, it's gone. And then it's hard yeah. to bring it back. I complain so much about social media and people call me a hypocrite because then they, you know, I'm a Twitter. I don't know how to do any of that other TikTok crap, but I can tweet because I had to learn to do that because that's a way to connect to people mm-hmm. in your district, in your school, um, and it is, it's, a, it's really a promotion. I mean, you're promoting yeah. actually playing Wednesday night in the regional finals and get on the pep bus and have, you know, parades and all that stuff. It's, it's, that's the experience. The wins will take care of themselves if you're doing all that and people are excited about being part of the program. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm the same way with social media. I like it, but I hate it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, we're in that time of the year. You know, how many high school kids have you seen? I've gotten an offer here. I've gotten an offer here. Oh. I've committed those kids love that, you know what I mean? They just eat that stuff up. And, you know, if you can do anything like that with your own program, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is that, you know, is, is where your people are at, you know, it just, like you said, it, it promotes your, your culture. It's good for, I mean, it's good for your kids. They, they like it. Um, they eat up graphics, you know, oh, and little sure. highlights and all those yeah. kind of things, you know, and I finally learned how to record from my screen um, and so we had a kid and we have some kids that can, can hammer some dunks pretty well right now on our boys team and, you know, share those on Twitter and the kids absolutely love it. And I took a video in practice. He jumped over a kid and dunked it, which is pretty exciting. I mean, that's pretty absolutely. impressive. And, uh, it has like 10, 12,000 views And this kid. I mean, he can't believe it. You know, it's so. crazy. And, and you know what? Our kids will look at your kids whether it's basketball or football and say, did you see the play cam made? That's yeah. the difference that our kids are now in tune because of huddle, because of social media. And, and one is it sets a great bar. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that that's an eight man kid that's throwing that dunk down and practice like that. And I've got a kid that can dunk, but Hey, let's build up to that. Now they got a goal they're setting or somebody else out there's doing it that I want to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's awesome. It breeds competition. It does in a good it, way, in a good way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, we, we, I mean, we kind of m- mentioned social media a little bit, which is new on the scene. You know, um, we'll call you a veteran teacher and coach. We'll use the term veteran. Um, <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, dude. Um, you know, in, you know, a lot of things, and I've, I've only been out, or this is my 16th year, right? I uh, went to college in the early 2000s, um, played college football, you know, so been around the game for a long time. I, I 100% think the game has changed for the positive, right? I think we are safer um, than we've ever been. But it's, to me, a lot has changed about the kids, right? Um, and I don't know if that's, if it's fair to blame the kids. Um, I listened to a baseball coach one time said, the kids haven't changed. We've changed as adults and how we treat them. You know, and I always, I always go back and forth with that. I don't know if I'm, I agree with that or not. Um, but I'm, I'm interested on your take on that, on, 
is are, has the kids changed? Is it just um, a certain like district thing? Because you know, there's those districts that are still, I don't want to say stuck in the 90s, but they still do things like we did 25 years ago. You know, I to come to think of it, you know, I think it was at Britt West Hancock, they run the wishbone. Um, yeah. And they've never changed. You know, and those kids, they watch Saturday football, just like the rest of us. Nobody's running that. No, you know, um, how do they, you know, how are they obviously winning is a cure all for everything, you know, but What's your, what's your take on that? Are, are athletes changing? Are we changing as coaches, parents, you know, kind of what's just your, your take on that? Um, wow. I mean, that, that, that's a great question that I think you could sit and debate. I mean, those of us that are involved in education or coaching um, could, could argue both sides of that. I, I perspective that I have, I think, I felt like we, when we went to eight man, um, you know, when you only have like that first year really good, but you only have 14 guys at practice. We only had 14 kids out. You know what? I don't want to say what you tolerate, but, you know, I remember when I first started, if a kid was late to practice, he may not have practiced. If he was late two or three times, he probably wasn't part of that team. You know, it's part of education now. Now it's like, let's get to the problem. Why are we having the problem and then fix the problem? And sometimes a handbook just doesn't fix the problem. Let's be honest with it. Connecting to that kid and what we're doing. And then a kid saying, hey, I, I was in a fight with my girlfriend and it wasn't good. And I'm sorry, I'm late coach. And you know what? Get in line. That's great. I'm glad you're being honest with me. I coached in the Shrine game this summer. I was a head coach for the South in the Shrine game. So, you know, we have 50 of the best kids. And I reflected a lot when I saw those kids and thought, you know what? I don't know that kids have changed. Maybe the amount of kids that think life is easy. I call it the video game culture. Um, those kids were, we would love those 50 kids in our program, of course, besides how the athletes, they were just, I mean, you didn't have to say if you're 10 minutes early or late to type They're they're there working to get better. Um, but we all have those kids and we're trying to recruit the hallways. You and I know we are. There's kids in those hallways that need football more than football needs them. But at what, you know, we're not going to let them be a cancer. We're not going to let them drag us down. But are we willing to do, you know, little things that 25 years ago, we would, we just, my, my high school coach would have never taught you to put a boot in your butt. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. So I think that our, to, to long way around that, I do think that, I don't know that kids have changed. I still believe they want structure. They want discipline. I believe that, um, you know, you put expectations on kids, but they're going to, they're going to get there for you. But you also have to go at it different than just showing up and saying, Hey, we're with West Hancock. We're going to run the bone and we're going to the dome. And every kid I used to say that was Rainy Hinkle at Madrid. They just, you didn't have to do those things. We have to work so much harder to overcome, whether it's parenting, whether it's the video game, whether it's the job. I have a kid that missed last year, a lot of Thursdays to go work on the farm. That's just what we did. I was okay with that. He just, what he had to do. And, you know, it changed your role. Let's be honest. We're going to talk to you about what role you have on this team, but I understand you have to go work and I'd rather you miss Thursday and be a part of it the other six days than just tell you got to turn your stuff in. Cause that's an expectation. Everybody, kids are pulled in a lot of different ways. So there's no great answer. I, I do think that the kids are the same as they've always been. I think those that are leading have probably changed a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think we have to with the way, I don't think that households are the same as they were 25 years ago. Um, I mean, a lot of us are teaching in low SES, you know, schools and, and all things like that. And, you know, I look around, I coach girls basketball. And at one point I was looking at our, 
our roster and there weren't as many uh mom and dad families you know what i mean there might be mom and stepdad and stuff like that which which is perfectly fine but the dynamic is a little bit different than than it has you know kids go through a lot different things than we did 25 years ago at, at maybe at a higher rate i should say those things still happen but you for know. sure i mean I, I looked at the roosevelt job year before last and got in and dug into that i mean everybody's dealing with you don't, you don't know what you, what you're getting into till you're into that school into the, everybody right. has to, and, and you know what, Tom Wilson at Dowling's deal. He can't just show, I mean, we are dealing with a different type of kid because of all those things, whether it's the household, whether it's income, whether it's just, I mean, social media, I can go on a rant about just right. our communication and all of that, but kids have changed because society's changed. And sometimes we haven't been able, I mean, it takes it. I've got some younger guys on my staff that, you know, have to take, put me back just a, you know, rung or two that we got to, you know, we're not going to sit and run, you know, a hundred gassers at the end because some kid had his mouthpiece out. Well, when we played, or at least when I played, I mean, there was a salt tablet, no water, and we're going to run a hundred gassers if somebody has their, right. you know, mouthpiece out. Now you bring the kid over and under explain that's 15 yards. It's going to cost our team. We just got to practice the way we're playing and move on. It's like we always say, pick and choose your battles. I do it with my own five kids. Pick and choose your battles. Let's mm -hmm. pick the right battle and let's teach from that. But sometimes we have to go ahead and understand what's really worth digging our feet in. Yeah, I think that's real powerful there, Coach. I appreciate that that point of view. And I think a lot of us can can definitely appreciate that. You know, the pick your battles is a big thing. You know, I remember I played baseball for a guy who was in the Hall of Fame and we had to wear a certain shirt, a hat. You had to have your glove. You had to have a weight. And if you didn't have that, you had to run a mile. You know, and, and if you cussed, it was five minutes for every letter you used in the, in the whatever yeah. phrase or whatever, you know, and yeah. I tell the kids that now they're like, didn't you just quit? I'm like, why would I quit? <laughs> like, no, you just behaved better. You just did, you know, and, and it's just wild that well, why I, didn't you I just quit? In my, in my office as, as a principal, when a teacher sends a kid to me and says, I don't even understand why, why you wouldn't have suspended them. And I said, what we really want to do is fix the behavior. If whatever I did is fixes that behavior for, and I get there has to be repercussions sometimes. Mm -hmm. I get that. But if what the end game is to get it done the way you want to get it done, why does it really matter whether I talk to them for 10 minutes? Sometimes I call the parent. Why didn't you call the parent? Because I know that's going to be counterproductive. I'll deal with the problem. Right. Every kid needs to be a little different. So, I mean, all we want to do is fix the problem. We want kids on time. Your baseball coach wanted your jerseys tucked in. He probably got it because of the running, but maybe there was a better way around that. We could have spent more time on the diamond, you know, turning double plays or something. Right. Yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, I mean, that, it lends, you know, you've been successful here as a coach. And I think obviously it's part of the way you, you run your program and treat your kids. It sounds like you have great relationships, you know, there's discipline, um, but not necessarily a heavy fist discipline, you know? So is that something you think that your program does um, that maybe separates you from other programs or what is it maybe that, that coach, a coach Rob Luther Baxter team does that separates itself from its opponents. Man, that's a great question. Sometimes I don't know the answer because we talk about clinics, and I love going and listening. I, I'm a geek when it comes to trying to steal some of the best things that happens to me when we're out of the playoffs. Uh, Brad Zlinovich at Southeast Polk was a quarterback for me at East, so I'll go over and watch his practice. Or you know, Coach Wilson. I just love going to watch what other people do because there's a lot of ways to do it, and some works for me, and some doesn't work for me. I mean, no one should try to be Coach Luther if that's not the personality that you are. I think I try to surround myself with people that are not all like views. That I have somebody else that could 
bring a different perspective to it. If we can in small schools, that's sometimes you take who you can get. Um, I, I don't know what sets us apart. I think that there's definitely a passion and I think there's a belief in Baxter that we're gonna score a lot of points. Our kids take pride in scoring a lot of points. We're gonna do those things and work really hard to be able to put, put stress and pressure on people on the opposite side, we scout. I think our kids, thought maybe we go to eight man and we wouldn't do it the same way. It'd just be kind of a, maybe a club type thing. And I think they've been really happy and impressed that our Mondays still look like our Mondays. Our Thursday walkthrough is still, we're scripting that entire walkthrough and we're going to know what it looks like on fourth and five from the goal line coming out, going in. We, we treat this serious. We may get beat, but it isn't because we're not prepared. So I, like you said earlier, I think our kids in a lot of schools have that they're, pr they're prideful of Baxter uh, football. So Sometimes people ask me, how do you turn the Des Moines programs around? Or how do you turn a tough program around? I'm, I'm on a couple committees at the IHSA, uh, and that's a big conversation right now. How these struggling, my answer comes back to coaches and resources and support for those co coaches, because I get youth programs, but it all is going to start with the head guy and who they're bringing in on that staff. One guy can't do it. I don't know how many you have. I have five probably on my varsity with me. It takes all of us every day to keep right. going with the same message, the same standard objective. Sorry for those that te the teaching turns, but that's what we're going to get done today. And, uh, and it take it takes a village and that you're not going to turn around for a guy coming in and wanting to get on the board with a bunch of kids and say, look at this awesome double reverse pass. You're not, that's not going to do it. You got to care. You got to tell them you love them every day. You got to make sure I'm in it with you. I hate what you just did, but we can fix that behavior. One choice doesn't, you know, constitute who you are as a man. It's just constant reinforcement that way. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, um, concept you talk about how do we help some of these struggling programs and it's different between maybe struggling you know you have to define that word a little bit between just wins and losses or not being able to field teams not being able to field jv teams you know um numbers wise you know we we had a team in our district drop out and uh so they kind of set us up for failure because we didn't have a, a game um you know and so they've struggled with numbers since i've been around but they're not too far removed from being a dome team you know, they're only 10 or 15, not even 15 years away from being a dome team, I don't think. You know, so it's like, where where does it go wrong? It was the same coach and he's a great guy. Um, you know, Scott's done a really nice job down there with what he has, you know, and, and you know, how do we we improve that? And like you said, I we can't do anything as an outsider. You know what I mean? We don't know what goes on in the halls there, you know, what the, the things are there. But, you know, what are, I mean, off the top of your head, do you have, what what are resources we can maybe help with with coaches to that. I mean, it starts with character, right? And, and the kids and not X's and O's. It has to. Oh, for sure. I mean, that would be so far down the line. I think one for young guys going in, usually those really struggling programs, you're hiring a guy that hasn't done it, doesn't have maybe the skills yet, but he just wants to do it. We have to provide from the state a mentoring situation. You know, we have that with IFCA, some mentoring and reach out and keep talking to those people and what can we do? And even help them set a plan. We don't know what it looks like in school X or Z, but I can tell you, parent meetings, recruiting the hallways, being visible in the weight room, trying to bring guys in, uh, you know, whether it's mom university and the moms that maybe think it's too violent of a sport or whatever, bring them in and have a night. It's, it's whatever works for you, but not trying one thing and just saying, well, kids are different and they're video and they're lazy and it's Doritos and, and energy drinks and I'm not playing. Well, how do you get that? You know, I mean, I'm, I, there's three or four kids. We, I recruit almost every day that aren't football guys in my building. Sometimes it's joking with them. Sometimes it's shut the door and really talk about why they don't want to do it. Right. Sometimes you just, you can't, you can't fight that. I want to go work. I just don't have the passion. So what I say then is 
but you can talk to a seventh grader different than the senior you want to come out for the first time. So where are you starting in that youth program? Do you have a flag football team in, a, in, in your community? Do you have a youth program? Are your kids refereeing those youth programs? Are you going out on the sidelines clapping kids when they get high uh, touchdowns and high five them? Those things will keep, may not provide wins, but you're going to get a program of kids that want to be yep. a part of that. Um, you know, we all know some of our most rewarding years. My, I can tell you the first one that pops in my head was we made a defensive stand to go five and four on the last game of the year. Well, I'll never forget that because those kids shouldn't even been two and seven, but what we achieved, you know, it's the wins will take care of themselves. Sometimes you're blessed with a great class. Sometimes you're not, but you just do it the same every time. So that's my yeah. thought, but it, it's a job. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's a job. You better have a great coach's wife and a better have a family that understands you're going to, you're going to grind a little bit if you really want to make a change. Yeah. I think we could get a bunch of guys on here and we could talk about the importance of how great a coach's wife is whether it's just the support of that or they become the person who's making team meals, you know, who the kids can, the kids can go, gosh, your husband is a jerk sometimes. And they'll go, yeah, no, I know, you know, and you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, my wife is, I'm, I'm blessed. She's, she can, uh, she knows more football than I think a lot of people in the stands. Um, she's been, a, been awesome. Um, you know, and sometimes the kids will be like, what's he thinking? And, and my wife will be like, I, to be honest, I don't know. I'll find out and I'll get back to you, you know? And so she almost acts as a go-between sometimes, um, you know, and, and for you to be in coaching, you know, 32 years, I'm sure your wife is, she's probably forgot more football than some coaches know. You know, she, she, she probably, knows the game. She also is a teacher for me on my staff. So that, that also, uh, it, yeah. it can be a blessing and a, and a curse, but no, great teacher, supportive. She, and, you know, grew up in a, in a family where dad was a coach. I think you just have to kind of know, what mm -hmm. that what that's all about and and support that but everything you said spot on and you just coaches have to have their support systems too whether it's your assistant coaches your family your kids administration is a huge when you hear that you know mm -hmm. down a lot of people saying hey I'm trying to do this and my ADs tell me we can't do this or my principal says we're not going away to camp I mean you know those types of things we did to build our program we went away for you know to church camp for three and four nights to you know do the relationship and coach and our administration was always, Hey, that's great. Whatever it takes, we're behind you, but that may not be how it is. in in all the districts. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife, she was part of it. She put together a, a golf tournament for us that raised $7,000 this past summer. So, you know, we're pretty grateful. We were able to buy some weight equipment and tackling, yeah. you know, blocking sleds and things like that. And it's pretty awesome when you have community support that can get behind them too. So coach, um, we're kind of reaching the end here. Um, just, I, I have appreciated this conversation. We're rolling up right about in an hour here. Um, I guess two things here, some advice that you could give fellow eight-man coaches. You've been dealing them out like crazy right now. My pen's about out of ink. Um, but anything, you know, new coaches or, or, you know, anything, you know, how to keep the main thing important to them. And then how else can they get a hold of you uh, if they have any further questions after the episode? Yeah, I think uh, the, the first thing, you know, you're, you said it right there, Scott, to keep the main thing, the main thing, the X's that we all love the X's and O's, man, we love to break down film and try to out scheme someone. And, and we, I still try to do that. Of course, we want to do that. We want to put our kids in great positions, but what we're really trying to do, I mean, what, what is your mission statement? Get that out there for your team. What is it that you want? And what is that we believe in? Well, we believe in creating better young men, better sons, better, better fathers, better citizens. And, and learning life lessons as we go. We're just using football as a vehicle. Uh, don't put you know, yourself in, you're not the main thing, they're the main thing. 
Um, and then I love clinics. I mean, I think talking to, you know, like we connected at Illinois. I mean, you just, whether it's on the telegram with coach Bass has been great. That's been a good one. Uh, Twitter's a good one for me. Um, even just, you know, getting eight man guys together and just talking ball. Um, and sometimes when we get together, I always think, man, we go right to the pin and whether it's those, we did those in the COVID, we did the, the board mm -hmm. wars and all that stuff. I mean, let's really talk about what's one thing you do in your program you're proud of that works for you to develop a, a culture man, I'd love to hear that from everybody. Absolutely. You're not ever going to talk me into double tight wishbone. You're just not going to do that. And I may not talk you into going spread no huddle. There's a lot of ways to skin that cat, but we can all talk culture and hear that one little thing that, man, I hadn't thought about that mom's university. And if you bring them in for a day and have them put the helmet and the shoulder pads on and try to recruit the junior high kids on the sideline, whatever it may be, I think mm -hmm. we all have those. Um, and I think we owe it as, as veterans, you're a veteran, I'm a veteran, to give back in any way we can. What we're doing is it's not just the Baxter kids. It's not the Winfield Mount Union kids. It's all kids who take on football. That's a special sport. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest game that was ever invented, except for an old guy that's golf. But it's still football for everybody. Um, and it's just a great vehicle. There's no way to be successful. You don't want to work hard. There's so many lessons to learn. And we just need to give those back to, uh, to all the young guys that are jumping in and, and trying to get better. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm an open book, Scott, uh, you can share out my, my email, my, my cell phone, my Twitter. Um, I'm connecting with guys a lot all the time. It's been great. Uh, cause believe me, when you reach out to me, I'm going to steal something back from you before, before we get done. Um, so do you want my cell phone? Do you want me to yeah, give it just, out or I, just send out your Twitter? If you would share your Twitter, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, at Rob Luther eight, there you go. So, at Rob Luther 8, you can DM me and I'll get you whatever you need. That sounds great. Well, I tell you what, we can we can get a group of coaches together. I see at the IFCA clinic, they're opening the bar at noon. I um, saw that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think lunch break's there. So, I think noon would yep, be a I'll, great time for an eight-man clinic. I'll be down. Yeah, Saturday morning's all eight-man. There's a, a guy I've hooked up with that lives in my dad's home down in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, who's phenomenal. Coach Bishop's going to be up talking at the IFCA. Oh, awesome. Clinic. He's great. Got him up here to do that. Uh, then I don't know if you ever go down to, to the Southeast Iowa clinic that yep. has a whole, that's a great clinic down there. And I've never been to the Missouri one, which is uh, over at the end of our spring break down by Maryville with a great golf course down there. So I'm excited to connect to some guys down there. Um, those are great ways just to introduce and talk and just get that foot in the door to talk to some people. Absolutely. I've enjoyed the Southeast Iowa clinic for however, I think I've, been, I've gone every year uh, that he's had it. I think that's one of the greatest ones. It's on a golf course on a lake. Great, great place. Coach Carter does a nice job with that. And, and uh, I mean, it sounds like I'll see you here at a couple clinics and uh, we can catch up and talk a little ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking it. Yeah, I agree with the Southeast Iowa Clinic. Uh, I think I don't even know for sure. I think the topic is, uh, is that is the tempo. So I'm going to talk awesome. a lot about signaling, uh, just how we go fast when we go fast. Some of that down there, not that I have all the answers, but it just opens the door to have some good conversation. Excellent. Well, coach, I appreciate having you on. Um, and uh, we look, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, thanks for doing this, Scott. Appreciate being asked. That's it for our show today. Hopefully you got at least 1% better from listening to today's episode. Please share the podcast and review if you enjoyed and learned today. You can follow us on Twitter at BeGreatFCP. That's B-E-G-R, the number eight, FCP. Or send us an email at BeGreatFCP at gmail.com. That's B-E-G-R, the number eight, fcp at gmail.com. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing and to be great.